Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. My name is Eric Wickland, and I'm the Technology and Innovations Editor for Health Leaders. Today, we're talking to Sean Whiteley, founder and CEO of Aximum, a company focused on real-time data analytics and visualization platforms and the development of digital twins. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. This is one of the newer and more exciting developments in healthcare, and one that many healthcare organizations are looking toward as they eye new ways to test innovative treatments and improve clinical outcomes. Welcome, Sean. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's get right into this. Digital twins, um, relatively new topic. Could you kind of define it and talk a little bit about how it's being how it's being developed in healthcare? Sure. Well, let's uh, start. So we're we're also a member of the Digital Twin Consortium. I think introduced us uh, today as well, um, and they've been working with this for for actually longer than what uh, I have as well, as at least what I knew of as digital twins. Um, but their definition and the one that we like to use is that a digital twin is a virtual representation of real-world entity and processes synchronized at a specified um, frequency and fidelity. So basically, it's not just kind of a 3D representation of a building, but the key characteristic is that there's, there's state and data that's being exchanged between the real world and the virtual world and then back again. Okay, um, and how is it being applied in healthcare? Well, as you said, it's, it's pretty early days. Um, in mm. fact, when we started, we weren't really aware that we were working on, on digital twins, um, or the, at least what the client came to us to ask for was not, uh, what they weren't really aware of a digital twin. Um, let me give an example. So um, we started out the company more focused on the, the big data side of things, but um, using 3D visualization uh, to show what we could do with that data. Then COVID hit in 2020, and um, we got connected with one of the hospitals here because obviously that was um, a very big concern around COVID. Um, what we what they were looking for is um, they'd been running some very large expo centres with nearly 10,000 people, and they had to manage not just COVID um, because everybody there had COVID, but other diseases you have when you have a lot of people in the same area, so measles and um, you know, stomach issues and things like that. Um, so what we did um, is we we used a game engine, uh, Unity in this case to create a 3D representation of the hospital. So this is a, one of the big acute care hospitals in Singapore, 2,000 beds, 400 rooms across five blocks. And we built that up um, using basically uh, CAD maps. And in this case, some parts of the hospital are more than 20 years old. Um, so we just turn it into an image and laid the objects like rooms, walls and doors and beds on top of this model and built up all the floors and so on as part of the hospital. Um, the second thing we did was we attached hooks to all those beds and rooms and things um, that we could then attach data to. And so we were able to get uh, a data extract out of the data warehouse on a daily basis because the data warehouse is only running on a, a kind of kind of processes data on a daily basis. But we basically took patient movement records, anonymized, um, and lab results. And then third thing, we brought that all together into one view that allowed the, the clinicians and the epidemiology team to go to a point in time and see what patients are on what beds with what state. And so this is not just COVID, but also respirat other respiratory issues um, and KPC and, and some of these superbugs and other kind of those kind of infectious diseases. But I don't know if you remember from Minority Report with Tom Cruise and he's moving backwards and forwards in time using his hand to see what's going on. Yes. We gave the clinicians basically the same thing. They had a slider at the bottom 
that allowed them to move that slider to any point over the past month, two months, three months, and then the patients will move. And so I could step forward then an hour and see which patients had moved to what bed. Um, and then as they, um, as they moved, it also took that state with them. So if we knew they tested positive for a disease, then it changed the color of that bed. So then working backwards, they could then also uh, more easily work back to find the index cases. Okay, so you're, you're basically tracking people inside a hospital, a facility, a building, and, and maybe charting patient flow or determining the spread of a, of a, of a virus in a specific building. Um, that's structural. Do you see this type of technology, and I'm thinking of digital twin as the digital twin of a, of a patient. Can someone construct a digital twin for uh, for testing new treatments or something along that line? Sure. Let me come back to just one point there. So when we mm -hmm. talked about moving patient movement, um, some, some people also get concerned if we are talking about moving patients, uh, tracking patients at a very low level of detail. Um, this was a risk-based model. So we basically assumed the patient were in their assigned bed. And so we knew where the beds were, but we would not see if they got up and walked to a bathroom or walked in the other end of the floor. Um, so that's one aspect that, that often comes up. It's good to, 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 to clarify. Because um, that privacy is also one big issue that we'll come back to, I guess, when, when we talk about some of the challenges and security and so on. Yeah. Um, so definitely there's a lot of focus at the moment around the operational parts of the hospital. Um, there is some early work we're doing now around how do you construct, yes, a digital twin of a human? Um, and what does that mean from, from a disease research perspective or from even from an operations perspective? So you know, I'm wearing an Apple Watch, it's collecting data. Could I in future have a digital twin of myself that's actually monitoring certain sensors and feeds and then prompting me on certain medications? That's also an area. Um, another part of the research we are doing um, with the nursing unit is um, basically building a digital twin um, of certain characteristics of patients to see if we can predict pressure injuries. Um, so pressure injuries are quite a common um, issue. Hospital-acquired pressure injuries are often a, you know, a reportable KPI for the hospital. Um, and there's a lot of work that goes into preventing this through something they'll call the Braden scale and, and, and work that goes into actually answering some manual questions. And a lot of that data is already in EMR. So we know, for example, if they've just had a certain type of operation, they're going to be immobile. Um, or if they're on certain medications, they're not going to be so lucid. If they've got certain dietitian records, we know their nutrition. So these things are already there. We want to basically build up a kind of a composite digital twin of a human uh, that we can then use to apply that in real time to say, okay, given these conditions, is this patient likely or not to develop a pressure injury? And there's also some work we've seen going on in other areas where they're doing something similar with cancer to try and create that, that simulation of a human. But until you take that, again, and come back to that digital twin, you know, until you're actually using it in some kind of operational context where you've got the, the prediction, the, the data coming in, and then, you, then, you, then you're making it, choosing a result or making a decision based on that, then that's where we see the digital twin applying. And we're still very early on in the, in the process here to, uh, with some of these, these applications. Yes, I think so. And there's, we, we do see there's, there's that research going on. But I think one of the issues that we see as well is just that, that barrier to entry. And we can come back and talk about that in a moment. Because, But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think as, as we get more adoption, both at the operations level and getting the data feeds and the security and some of those things sorted out, then I think it makes it easier to add incremental use cases on top of that. 
let's talk about the challenges. You know, you mentioned security, uh, privacy and security. What is that the biggest challenge with this new application? Or are there other issues that are that are keeping this from, from really taking off just yet? Well, I think, well, come, yeah, definitely security is one of them. But I think the, the biggest challenge right now is the awareness uh, and getting started and knowing that the you know, that this technology is becoming more and more available. And it's one of those things where there has been experiments in the past, but as things like integration, cloud services, um, gamification and gaming engines that are working their, their way down in terms of the specs, we're building our 3D models to run on a hospital laptop. Uh, because the the engine we're using has been built to provide mobile gaming and mobile devices are not very powerful. So now on, even on a regular hospital laptop or a small, what we call a NUC PC, we can render the entire hospital. Um, and so using as, as the as the computing power kind of increases and the, the processing and the algorithms get better, then there's more there's more opportunities open up. Um, so there's that awareness that these things are, are becoming more prevalent. We, we've used the game engine with the hospital because it's actually you know, a lot cheaper in that way than to get started on these use cases. Um, but you know, through the Digital Twin Consortium as well, we're using technical showcases of other industries. We've got a healthcare working group that's kind of sharing what's going on in healthcare. We can run discovery workshops and things to build that awareness that, that it is possible and what are other people doing. That's you mentioned the consortium. Who's who's in the consortium, or how, how big is this consortium, and is it global? Yeah, it's a, it's a global organisation. It's it's run under the Object Meta Group, but they're also responsible for things like UML and BML and these kind of standards. Um, and uh, there's about 100, I think, 180 members so far. And this is everybody from AutoCAD, Microsoft, um, all the way down to small companies like us, and, and kind of everybody, and, and multiple members in between. Um, so we are we are global. Um, we just had a mem last members meeting was in Leeds. The next one's coming up in Austin um, in December. Um, so and there's inside this working in, inside this group, there's multiple industries represented. So we do have a healthcare working group. There's also natural resources and education um, and a range of others as well. A lot of different applications for this type of technology. Certainly. Yeah. Um, who's uh, are are hospitals health systems involved in that healthcare working group? Um, there's there's more so at the moment, there's people like us, like the vendors and suppliers, um, but we do see um, you know, interest in some of the organisations in, in joining directly um, into the into the group. Um, but yeah, it's still, um, again, we're still kind of also sharing what we're up to and and, uh, and getting the message out there uh, that this consortium is available, um, not just for the, the, the suppliers of the technology, but for end user organisations to come in to see what's happening, to understand. Um, we have something, for example, the digital twin um, periodic table of, of capabilities. So it's 62 capabilities that you can use to think about a use case. And that will then help um, with iteration and understanding how you could use this technology in, in particular use cases. Now, are there specific challenges in healthcare that affect how, how digital twins might be uh, developed? Definitely, the security aspect is one one thing, um, and we've also focused on healthcare because obviously that the, there's a high level of data and there's just so much data the hospital generates. But there's also that security context. So if we can solve that for healthcare, it makes going into other industries potentially easier. Um, the another area is the um, the way the hospitals operate is that there's a lot of public spaces, but there's also private spaces or, or areas you don't necessarily want the people to people to um, be aware of. And um, what we realised actually was that um, we can't leave those areas blank either. 
because then it draws attention to those areas. Um, and so we're using kind of obfuscation to fill out those areas with what look like potential you know, rooms and wards and things, um, just to make sure that that's not visible to, to the right people. And then it brings in, how do we do role-based access control for a 3D model? That depending on your access level, you may have different visibility into the model. Um, I think the last one is just that, that high barrier to entry and proof of value. Um, that the moment um, there has been yeah, high barrier entry and there is a lot of um, responsibility on making sure, especially in the public system, that there's a responsible usage of funds. Um, and so we've um, started small and worked up. So very small use case first, it's just running on Intel NUT because it's like a small PC. Um, stepped up to a case where we can manage the whole hospital, showing there's at least benefit in that, which has then helped us to get the next increment or, or quantum of, of funding. Um, but even in that, there's a portion of that funding that, that's being uh, run by a third party institution to prove the value and to show and to prove the value of what we've actually said we want to do. In this case, it's, it's focused on infectious diseases. So we want to see that there's want to see there's a tangible um, you know, decrease or impact that this uh, this model is having on that KPI. And if there is, hopefully we get funded to continue for another period of time. If there's not, we stop. Now, this case study would would uh, what you're looking for to do is to track the the progression of a of an infectious disease in a hospital setting, maybe to help help that hospital control the disease. Um, that would be the first case study. What other case study? What other uses for digital twins in that type of setting? What are what would hospitals and health systems be looking for with this technology? Well, certainly we focused early on infection and infection control because that's also been an issue during COVID. Um, but it is also going to be an ongoing um, issue with you know, these um, superbugs and um, um, CPCRE type diseases, MRSA, and these other ones due to antibiotic resistance. Um, because we've been running, again, that security context in, in more disconnected road mode in a 24-hour cycle, it hasn't allowed us to get into some of the more real-time use cases yet, for example, with bed management. Um, but definitely that team's been engaged in our, in our next phase with real-time integration. Um, we, we do want to do more with bed management. Um, and it's about bringing in the, the spatial aspect. Um, so making the spatial computable. So for example, um, when we have to do move people around, that we can now actually plan routes based on um, the, like, you know, the, the routes through the hospital. And sometimes it might be easy to keep somebody on the same level and move them further away, or it might be easy just to go down one floor. Um, and now you've got a model that can actually compute that difference. Um, so that's a, um, one area. Another area um, is um, um, security and obviously looking for activities that go on because it is, as again, typically quite public spaces. Um, so how do you either you know, detect potentially suspicious behavior um, or if there is a as if there is an incident, there's definitely a lot of work going on in kind of incident response um, in in this area as well. How do you quickly get that context and get it give it to the frontline police officers or others that are coming into that situation, potentially without without a lot of awareness, but actually feeding that and building a, a, a digital twin in real time of the, um, the of the ongoing situation? Certainly a popular topic now with the. With the with the way things are going in hospitals and health systems, so then it, so I'm I'm translating this into you say your your labor and delivery. You want to keep track of of who's going in, who's going out. Make sure you know the one of the bigger issues is making sure the mothers, the parents are paired to the right baby, and and so on and so forth, and in controlling or, or keeping an eye on traffic. 
And then, as you say, bed management, uh, this could be used to track work or to plan workflows for hospital staff. Uh, improve the workflows, say, for a nurse who's running up and down several floors uh, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, definitely. The, and, and particularly with the, some of these older hospitals that have evolved over time, um, it's almost like these the, the staff develop a mental map to know that, okay, mm -hmm. if I'm going from ward C to D, then I go do two levels, cut across neonatal, then back up through another area. And um, sometimes with newer staff, it's hard to get that, that mental map. Um, but longer term as well, what we see is um, um, when you're combining robotics um, and you know, these devices that are actually autonomously moving through the hospital, how do you manage the separation of robotics and human traffic? Um, and um, another thing is a lot of the robots have like kind of local spatial mapping so they can work their way in, in a smaller area, but they need help to get from one side of the hospital to another. Um, and that's where that digital twin and, and mapping and routing algorithms can definitely help with that. Um, we talked about, you know, talked about planning. So another area which is um, evolving as well is um, particularly in Singapore, when they're when they're looking to open up new hospitals or renovate the existing ones, how do they take those that historical data from the existing hospitals and use that to plan the, the new hospitals? Um, and we see simulation um, playing a big big role in that. So you can then take you know, the historical trend from the old hospitals, even traffic, people coming from the train stations and things about how they approach the hospital, then use that to try different um, um, designs um, for that hospital. Um, or simulate, as I said, like major incidents, like the whole entrance is blocked, um, or you've got a lift breakdown, or a part of the hospital is, is, is unavailable. Um, so what will be the response? What will be the congestion points? What are the options for rerouting traffic? Okay, that's, yeah, that could be disaster planning as well. Yes, um, indeed. Yeah. Now, in, in terms of uh, looking in the future, looking how this type of technology is going to evolve, I know we did mention the idea of digital actual digital twins for patients, uh, mm -hmm. for cancer, uh, for chronic uh, conditions, other things. Uh, I, 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 it sounds like that's really early on in the process. How, you know, how do you see this this type of technology evolving? Um, I think there's a couple of themes that are happening uh, at the moment that will continue driving the adoption and, and use and, and discovery of use cases we haven't really thought about yet. Um, but one is the, the commodification um, of you know, cloud computing, um, the software itself, um, you know, Raspberry Pi devices, and you know, these sensors getting cheaper and cheaper and more pervasive. Um, we're doing some early field trial work where you know, using a Raspberry Pi, we can monitor air pressure, humidity, temperature, uh, VOC, volatile organic compounds. PM10, PM2.5, all on you know, quite a cheap device. And then using the Arduino has actually spread out that temperature sensing. So you can actually see temperature and humidity at, at high, medium and low levels in the room to see whether there's stale air. And particularly in tropical climates like Singapore, where you've got you know, high levels of humidity, they can also lead to then certain types of diseases or fungus actually growing in, in those areas. So having a better understanding of airflow um, and um, and where you've got that stale air or differences in air um, is another area that as these as these technologies technologies and IoT kind of become more accessible, we'll then be able to map into the into that use case, uh, so into these into these models. Um, another one is mobility through end-user devices. We've done early work with VR and AR, um, but in that hospital context, it's not really at the point yet where you want a clinician or a nurse or a cleaner to be walking through with a HoloLens. It's not that kind of model, but what we're looking for, I guess, is that next generation of glasses that are more like regular glasses. They may have a you know, side compute model, but it tracks their location. It knows where they are. 
um, they can walk into a room and actually see patient data floating on the bed above them, you know, have their contraindications or their last results, or if they've got allergies, it's kind of right there. Um, so that's another area where that next generation will allow nurses, clinicians, and even cleaners, for example, to understand where areas have last been cleaned. You could shade you know, parts of the, the area as being red, for example, if it hasn't been cleaned in the last 24 hours. If a nurse walks in there is moving, you know, moving a patient in there that's immunocompromised and they see it hasn't been cleaned, then they can wheel them straight back out and, and get onto the team and find out what's happening. So that's one area. Um, the last one I say is intelligence and, and personification. Um, so my vision, I guess, of, of where this is going is that we're going to create a personality, a virtual personality for the hospital itself. Um, and so you can walk in and it will be greeted by, for example, Excel when you walk into and like on a screen. Um, she'll ask you, hi, you know, how can we help you today? And if you're visiting a patient, then you can say this is where you need to go to or you need to visit hematology. Um, and then it will give you a route um, and you scan the QR code and it goes onto your phone. And this personality will stay with you throughout it. And you can text it, you can talk to it, like a Siri that will go through you with a, that's focused on the hospital. But if you're a clinician and you walk in and she recognises you and say, yeah, uh, hi, Dr. Chow, um, your first appointment is in Ward 66. Don't take lift area A because there's uh, a lot of congestion, suggest you go to this way. Um, you've then got, and they've already kind of mapped out then the best optimal route because they know their, their usual rounds and the patient they're seeing. Um, and they can also stay with them through that personality, if through, through that journey. Boy, this is a, it's a lot of fascinating applications here that we can look forward to. This, this really is the hospital of the future. We like to think so. I, I think the technologies and things are there. I think the it's the um, how we bring them together in a way that's understandable. Um, but yeah, I think a, a lot of the time it's, it's the limits are more our imagination about how we use this. Okay, well, Sean, thank you very much. This has been a, a great discussion. I, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and coming in all the way from Singapore for uh, for this virtual conversation and, uh, and, and giving us a good look at, at what what we have to look forward to in, in, in how healthcare is developing with technology. Thanks very much for your time, Eric. All right. And thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday, excuse me, for with more health industry insights. Thank you.